Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 84. Today's episode is all about living boldly and taking risks. So often what we believe is, is stable, we believe in this kind of illusion of safety and security. The greatest risk is really not taking one and that our perception of risk is really holding us back. It's really minimizing our ability to make powerful decisions. Here's one of my favorite ways to make decisions. Nothing changes in the next five years and you're in the same exact place. How does that actually feel? How do you operate in relationships? What does your life look and feel like on a daily basis? How does it impact your belief? How does it impact your ability to experience life? And it's like, when we can future pace our current circumstance, then making a decision today is much less daunting and much less risky. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button. More subscribers means we grow the show faster, which means better guests and more value for you. Plus, everyone could use a little more mind love. Hi, friends and wild women. Today, we're talking about living boldly, taking risks and big leaps. Funny enough, my very first episode of Mind Love is called Taking Big Leaps. So this feels like a topic that I have been waiting to hone in on. Throughout my life, I've had a lot of contradicting beliefs about taking risks and being bold. There have been times that I've prided myself on those things. Actually, most of my life, I've prided myself on those things. But then there was a time where I thought, wait, maybe all of that was a sign of immaturity. Maybe I need to plan and be a little bit more calculated. But then think about it. On one hand, when you think of taking risks in investing, you know that the higher the risk your investment portfolio, the more you can gain, but also the more you can lose. So here's what I've realized. For me, making bold moves means carving my own path. Without bold and risky moves, I'm usually playing by somebody else's rules. I'm following the path that they've already laid out for me. So all I have to do is keep moving and it feels safe. And there's nothing wrong with that. That can be great for a lot of people. It was great for my parents. Take my stepdad, for example. He became a police officer at age 18 and worked his way up to a very early but a very secure retirement. He still gets 100% of his paycheck. That is pretty awesome when you think about how often he's golfing and getting paid. But what happens if none of those options that other people have laid out make you happy? Or what happens if you're five or 10 years into your job and just the idea of one more day makes your stomach sink? And you start to think, maybe if I just get in a little car accident, I won't have to go to work for a week. That thought is a red freaking flag. Or what if you've just always had this dull, aching pull that you're destined for something greater? These thoughts and feelings and urges might be a sign that you should be taking bigger, bolder moves. And here's the thing. 
we are living in a time of transition. Right now, we can create things easier than has ever been possible in the history of our planet. Things that spread globally even. If just the thought of that idea scares you, you might be a paved path type of person. But if that excites you and gets your juices flowing, you might want to become more comfortable with taking risks. And the good news is, just like with anything else, your willingness to take a leap has a lot to do with your current habits. And you can actually do stuff to be more comfortable with stepping outside of your comfort zone. And that's what we're diving into today. Three key things we will learn are to redefine risk, how to know if the risk is worth taking, and how to build momentum with bigger, bolder moves. Before we dive in, I want to make sure you know about the morning mind love. It's the easiest way to start each day with a little reminder about how magical you really are. I get messages from people every single day about how the morning mind love is their favorite way to start the day, or that the message that just came through is exactly what they needed to hear. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. You'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. You'll get a free guided affirmation meditation to align your subconscious with your highest self, and you'll get a really cool booklet of Powerless so you can start getting clear on what you want and what really makes you happy. And it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. And now let's welcome Tommy Baker to the show. Melissa, thank you so much for having me on. So we are talking about taking big leaps in our life today. So it feels fitting to ask, what was that moment or turning point for you where you had to make a choice that changed everything? Yeah, I love that. And I believe we have these, what I call inflection points in life where we know something needs to change and we get a hit of intuition or a breakthrough and insight. And there's like a fork in the road moment. And one path leads to a radically different life. And the other path is when we give into fear and our comfort zones, or we say, we talk ourselves into saying like, it's not the right time, or I can never do that, or we get stuck in the how. Um, so for me, one of those was when I had built the business it was the start of my entrepreneurial career, and I had built it in the physical training space, in the fitness space, and we were successful. But my purpose and my deep-rooted interests had changed throughout that time. But I found myself with a staff of 12 people. We had multiple locations. We were growing, but something was missing inside of me. And I had to get very honest with myself because I could have kept going. I could have talked myself into it. So one of those moments I was uh, in New York City, it was New Year's Eve, and I just lost it. I was eating uh, a dinner. I just started walking outside, and I had one of those life moments where I got super emotional, and I got clear that I'm on the wrong path. And I asked myself a simple question. If I wake up five years down the line, and I stay on this path, how does it feel? How do I live my day-to-day? And I didn't like the answer, and that's when I had to get honest and start a transformation. In that circumstance, I basically uprooted several parts of my life. But without that, there's no way I would be right here right now. When we feel that pull, it's interesting because I had a similar thing happen to me. And this is a story that I've told on my podcast a few different times. But there was a moment for me where I thought, well, I want to go do my own thing. So my husband and I sold all of our stuff. We 
started road tripping Europe and I was like, I'm going to be a travel blogger. <laughs> and it started yeah. to work because I have a um, marketing background. So I started getting free travel pretty early and it looked like it was going to be successful. But there was a moment when I realized when I'm traveling, when I'm in these awe-inspiring places on the top of a mountain, for me, the last thing I want to do is be making sure I get the right photo and posting a live video. <laughs> Those are the moments that is my escape. So I had to then dial it back and rethink. And what I realized is that sometimes we have so much visibility on the leaps that everyone else is taking that it's easy to get swept up in what everyone else expects their passion to be, or that might be somebody else's passion because we're able to see it all on Instagram. So how do you know if the pull is the right one for you, or is it just basically trial and error? Yeah, I love that. And that's such a great point because you're right. We can look at somebody else through a very limited lens and be like, that's what I want. And really, we got to be willing to one create the space, create a space where we can really listen to what we want. And we got to be disconnected. For me, I got to be disconnected to do that. So just if I backtrack from that story on New Year's Eve, when I made the decision, I had had, I had spent a lot of time in solitude in flow tanks, sensory deprivation, sort of these tanks that you go in for an hour. It's like meditation on steroids. And that's when I started to get that signal that I needed a change, that something had to shift. And because I had created the container, my intuition was very, 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 very clear. So that's, to me, that's how we have to tackle this. One, create the space. Two, allow whatever comes up to, to come up. We can't logically or rationalize it in the moment because it's often it's not going to make sense. And for me, to leave a business that was working and 12 employees, and I had just signed a lease, and the lease totaled about a half a million dollars over five years, it didn't make any sense. And that's the point. We ha again, just like your question, we have to make sure it's for us by tapping into our intuition, creating the space, and really just noticing what keeps coming up and what patterns keep evolving and coming up over time. I love that. I have been really doing a deep dive in my own message lately after so many interviews, 80 plus interviews. And what I'm realizing that's really pulling on me lately is understanding that for me, everything has gone back to the relationship with myself. And without mm -hmm. that, it's hard to understand your own inner voice. You don't know your language yet. You don't know what is your negative self-talk that is just going to be there anyways and what you need to override it with or even your passions that you need to pursue. So I love that you came back. You stepped back from the noise and got into <laughs> the quietest place you can go, a sensory deprivation tank. Absolutely. And I always say you won't find clarity in the chaos and you won't find clarity in the noise. And so we have to be willing to disconnect, to unplug, whatever that looks like. Some people, it might be nature. For some people, it might be doing something you love or some type of creative work or could be a conversation with somebody, but like in a deep space. But we have to be willing to go there. And sometimes that can be uncomfortable. But on the other side of that is a powerful clarity, is a gift. Right. I remember when I was trying to find my own life purpose or passion. It's funny thinking about it now because for years, I just kept going to the internet and that's diving straight <laughs> into the noise. And it wasn't until I was willing to sit back and journal a little bit. And like you said, identify my own internal patterns from my own inner voice that things started to come together. Yeah. I love that. And another reminder, it's like, 
regardless of what we pick, regardless, you know, and once we get clear about what it is, it's like the other thing about the internet or looking through somebody else's lens is that it doesn't matter how purposeful it is, how much it lights you up. There's going to be parts of that journey that are going to be difficult, challenging, that going to require you, especially early on, you know, depending on your resources to do stuff that you don't necessarily love to do. So it becomes important to also have that realistic understanding of what it's going to take. And that no matter how much you love, I love podcasting. I love being here on podcast, my podcast, uh, 150 episodes, but there's times when it's a labor and I don't feel it. Or as a writer, I write every single day, regardless, minimum 500 words. And my last book, when I was writing it, it's like, there's a lot of times when, and that's like my dream. Like my dream is to be, like, I love writing. It lights me up, but there are so many times where it was me and a blank cursor at my co-working space and it was 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, it wasn't necessarily fun. It wasn't necessarily exciting. It wasn't like a thing to post on social media. It was just like doing the work. And I think, again, in a world where in my space, everybody wants to be a best-selling author, it's like, okay, but are you willing to show up every single day when you don't feel like it, when you're doubting yourself? And that's going to happen no matter what you pick. And even if it lights you up and even if it's purposeful. I think because of all the access we have to these little inspirational quotes, I love that you called out that it's still going to feel like work no matter how much you love it sometimes. <laughs> because I think there's this ideal that if you find something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. No, I mean, when you look at the sum of it, you're not going to feel like you've been tediously slaving away on the conveyor belt like you might if you have a job you hate, but it's still going to be work. And there's still going to be times that you have to just show up. So thank you for making that differentiation because I feel like not enough people do. Absolutely. So I'm wondering when we are ready for a change and we feel that pull and we know we have to do something, what constitutes a leap? Because again, since we do have so much access to what other people are doing, like selling all their stuff and moving to India, if it's just something smaller, is that still a leap or are we shortchanging ourselves and we need to go bigger? No, to me, I'm very broad with how I define taking a leap. And sometimes, sometimes we just need what other people might think of like, wow, that's not really that much of a leap. But to us, it's important. To us, it matters. To us, it's going to build our confidence and our capability. And so a leap sometimes could be having a really hard conversation that we've been putting off for a really long time. A leap might be for working for somebody else, like reaching out to a recruiter and looking for something like that. A leap may be, you know what, I'm going to start a side hustle and um, I got five hours a week and that's all I have, but I'm going to get... So a leap can be a physical leap, a relationship leap, it can be a business leap, but it's all about getting to leaving the confines of our comfort zone doing something that we wanted to do for a while, something we had an insight or a breakthrough, something that inspired us and actually having the courage to step into it. And regardless of the size of the leap, it's going to require the same ingredients. It's going to require belief. It's going to require trust. It's going to require a lot of courage. It's going to require consistency. It's going to require part of our old identity to be let go of, which is always scary. So the ingredients are the same. And sometimes we need those small ones to build up to the big ones. I like to picture this kind of like a spider web, where when you throw the first line or however the magical spiders do it, <laughs> it's not enough. It's just one string. But 
now you have one little fragile bond from one place to the next. But when you keep going back and forth and you keep adding another lifeline, like maybe it's just reaching out to somebody who knows more about the space you're interested in going to, or maybe it's reaching out to recruiters or it's interviewing somebody, whatever it might be, then before you know it, all of these things are going to build up to a platform that can be solidly walked across. So I like that it can be just something small to start out with. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. Yeah, and that's going to build our confidence. And so often we use our past. This proof is why it's not going to happen. And so sometimes we really need to dig in and say, okay, what can I do today that's going to give me the confidence of my capabilities and my ability to succeed long-term, to do something that I wouldn't have done yesterday, right? I remember when I went to improv a few years ago, like that was hard for me. And I consider myself a communicator. I'm on stages like you and podcasts and video, but improv is a whole different game. And so for me, that was four hours. That was like, it was uncomfortable. But on the other side, I was like, man, that was incredible. I felt so present. I let go of my thinking mind. I learned stuff about how to be in the moment and access comedy and humor. And so small things, leaving our comfort zone, putting in some repetition, that's what's going to build the confidence for the bigger stuff. So when we are taking a risk or a leap, some of us do have logistics like mouths to feed, families to support, maybe just keeping a roof over our own head. So when you are examining the risks, how do you know when the right time is to take the leap or if maybe you should hold on a little bit longer? Yeah, and that's a great question. And it's, again, it's very, it's going to be very individualized, but we often just feel it. Like if we've done some of the inner work, and I know anybody listening here has done it, we know when it's really the right time. And the problem is 
I was on a coaching session the other day and, I, and my client had a really big dream in the film industry. And he was going through a challenge. And I just asked him a simple question because we'd already set the vision in place. And I said, because the people around him were saying, you got to be more realistic. I asked him, are you going to do what's realistic or are you going to do what's required to bring the vision to life? And so, yes, circumstances matter. Yes, belief is not about making erratic, crazy decisions, but also fear can talk us into staying or being anchored into something that really isn't for us. And so, so often when we have breakthrough over something that we want to do, something we want to create, something we want to launch, an environment that we want to go to, in that moment, we have 100% certainty and clarity around it, like from an emotional state component in that moment. But then time passes, a couple of days pass, nothing has happened, a week passes, and we start to talk ourselves out of it. And we say things like, yeah, the bills that we have to pay or how the market is saturated or how there's too many options or we have to research or men, you know, they love doing spreadsheet analysis and stuff like that. It's like, and then we start to lose it. And then six months later, somebody asks us, hey, what happened with that, that thing you were talking about? And we're like, Oh, I, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, I moved on from that. Like we don't even acknowledge it anymore. And in the moment it was so important for us. So yes, your examining where you're at is crucial, but also when we feel like it's time, like that's the time to act. And sometimes there's not going to be a safety net and we just have to trust and we have to go. And I think sometimes our fear, if we let it just mull around in our heads, it'll take us to places that in itself isn't very realistic. Like we think suddenly we're going to be homeless with our entire family when in reality, worst case scenario, you move back in with your mom or something like that. I know, yes. You know? So it is kind of funny. I think it was Tim Ferriss uses the fear setting technique of just writing down the absolute worst. And it sounds so contradictory to what we do in the positive mindset space. You're like, why am I focusing on the worst thing that could happen right now? But sometimes it's just getting it on paper to show you that these worst things probably aren't even feasible. The actual worst thing might be a step up from that. So what's worse? My friend put it in the most beautiful way. My friend Anita, something about it became easier to Go for the mystery, then live in the misery or something like that. Ooh, love that. Love that. <laughs> and that's what we're here for. We're here for the unknown. We're here to step into the unknown. And what you said is so true. We so often look at the unknown from a lens of worst case scenarios, the unknown from a lens of how scary it is and how frightening it is. And it's like, I've conditioned myself. Now look at the unknown as a place where anything is possible. What you said about worst case scenarios is so, so true. And often, often, even if we put ourselves out there, even if we go all in on something and we don't get the quote unquote result that we had imagined just because of that courage, just because of leaving our comfort zone, doors start to open that we didn't see prior, that we weren't available prior because we weren't actually putting ourselves out there. And so, so often people will put themselves out there and they'll actually get something better or a variation that they didn't even see coming, let alone like get a worst case scenario. So I love getting it out of our head and onto paper. So it's not owning us anymore. We can take a moment to be like objectively, okay, what is the worst case scenario? But then start to reframe our relationship with the unknown. Like I said, I used to be the vice president of a startup. And there were years that years prior that I did take a leap and I worked for myself. And then I couldn't really do freelance anymore because at the time I was way too interested in partying. And so (laughs) 
then I ended up working for somebody else because it seemed more stable. And it's so interesting when I look back because that company ended up shutting down. So I started my own thing and then I started to doubt myself and worked for somebody else again and put a bunch into it, a time, energy. And then I realized I was so unhappy. I had to leave and I was starting completely over. And just yesterday, I was thinking about what I've built so far with Mind Love. And yes, it's been a sacrifice and there have been times of struggle and I wasn't making as much money in the beginning and all of this stuff. But I had so much gratitude for the foundation I have, because even if I completely went a new direction, I still have a foundation with what I've built. And the other things that I thought were the stable route left me with nothing in the end. Exactly. And so often what we believe is is stable, we trade, we do, I think Seth Godin calls it like a Faustian bargain where we, tr- we believe in this kind of illusion of safety and security. So often I've heard of stories of people like who were employed for five, seven, 10 years, and they were doing this trade off, their fulfillment, their inner drive, their passion, all the things that they used to love to do or their ways to value in the marketplace. And they traded it for a paycheck. And it's like, we've all done that. But then, like you said, the company, something happens in an industry or a competitor comes over or they get bought and now they're on the street. And it's like, wow, it's like all of that for the illusion of safety and security. So we have to be very, very careful. You know, I write in the book that the greatest risk is really not taking one and that our perception of risk is really holding us back. It's really minimizing our ability to make powerful decisions, which is why in my last book, I say, here's one of my favorite ways to make decisions something that I spoke about earlier when I was making my decision on New Year's Eve, but it's like nothing changes in the next five years and you're in the same exact place. How does that actually feel? How do you operate in relationships? What does your life look and feel like on a daily basis? How does it impact your belief? How does it impact your ability to experience life? And it's like when we can future pace our current circumstance, then making a decision today is much less daunting and much less risky. I love that. We tend to sit in this pain of indecision. I read somewhere once that indecision is pain. And that moment changed my life because I Mm. used to pride myself on, oh, I'm just kind of indecisive or the waiter would come around and I'd be taking 20 minutes to order my (laughs) meal. and, And it was almost like a pride point for me. And then as I started to become more accomplished and actually learn about how to move forward in life, I was blown away that I ever thought that that was something that I (laughs) would pride myself in. I'm like, oh, yeah, I pride myself in being able to sit in a painful moment of not making any choices for myself. Yeah, indecision is a dream killer because it just stops momentum. Like That's the fastest way to stop momentum. We just sit in indecision and as time passes, it's like the paradox of choice takes over and we're just like, screw it, I'm going to do nothing. And then we kill an amazing idea. Right. And even some of those decisions that we have to make, it doesn't have to be this huge thing like, okay, I'm starting my company today. It could be I'm doing a little bit of research today, or I am making three phone calls today. And before you know it, when a year has passed, then you have built that company without having to do this huge thing that seemed so out of reach. Yeah. And I don't like those. I'm writing a book you see on social media, like today I'm started writing my book, these big, bold declarations, because they can seem so daunting. They can seem so far away that we don't chunk them down the way that they need to be chunked down. And so what I always advise people is like, yeah, of course, set the vision. 
or the leap or the bold decision, whatever it is, we have to have visions. Those are super important. But where people get lost in the vision, it's like we got the mountaintop all the way over there. I'm all the way over here. Our focus immediately goes to how much space and time and distance is from where we are today to where we want to go. So I like to go all the way back, just kind of like you said, and bring it down to right here on this Thursday. What is one thing that I can do quantifiably, measurably in regards to that vision? And just like you said, it might be filing an LLC. It might be getting a domain. It might be what seems like the smallest, simplest thing, but we do that. And tomorrow we wake up and we do the same exact thing. That's what creates momentum. And then now we can say, you know what? I've got two weeks of momentum. I'm going to celebrate some of those wins. So I'm actually going to honor myself and my capabilities, not think about where I'm falling short. And then that just builds on itself. And like momentum is either our greatest ally and this great force that just pushes us forward. Or when we don't have it, we like, we wonder if we're ever going to get it back. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash MindLove. Just go to Indeed.com slash MindLove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash MindLove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused 
nice drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back. No questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. I think that one of the best first steps to do in any bigger plan is to just brain dump all the things you think you have to do and then Mm. break it down to those first very achievable steps. Because otherwise, the amount of times that I've had an idea and then I go down the rabbit hole of expiring domain (laughs) names and (laughs) making sure the social (laughs) handles are there and designing a logo. And I'm like, I don't even know if I actually like this idea yet. And I'm getting caught up in all of the aesthetic. And that's so true. And that actually speaks to something else. In 2019, where it's so easy to launch a business within 24 hours or less, so easy, you know, we have platforms in our pockets. Once we have all of these, what I call these ingredients down, which is like, you know, having a vision, you know, like being clear on decision to lead up to that vision, you know, all of that stuff. Once we have that clarity, now it becomes a matter of protection. Now it becomes a matter of boundaries because what I'm noticing is in this entrepreneurial space, a lot of events I talked to, you know, I live deep in this chamber and it's like ideas are coming a mile a minute, right? And so people just aren't spending enough time and energy and bandwidth and focus and attention on one project. And instead they're scattering five different things at once. And of course you can't do five different things at once. Like it just, it's not going to happen. And so once you have that idea and you know it's right for you and you pick that one thing, like go in on it, go in on that one thing and make sure that you're giving yourself the bandwidth and attention it needs. Like for me personally, just you were telling that story and I, when I wrote my last book, I had to say no to everything, even like really awesome income producing ideas, other creative ideas, social stuff. I mean, I had to say no to nearly everything. It was like this insane laser tunnel focus. And it was painful to do that because the brand loves novelty. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to start that channel. Yeah, I want to do that. But for me, I know personally, if I wouldn't have done that, there's no way it either comes to life or comes to life the way it did. For sure. I, at one point, owned like 237 domain names. (laughs) 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 And they were all so good. I still won't let go of some. I know. But but as I become further into mind love, though, I'm actually getting way better at not renewing all of these domains because I'm starting to see what my bigger picture is. But that has taken living into this one thing so much that it's allowing me to see what things could work alongside of it instead of just distracting me. And as you said, diverting your attention in five different ways where you're only giving 20% to each thing. Mickey Agrawal, she wrote the book Disrupt Her, but she also is the founder of Thinks Underwear and Tushy Bidets for Your Toilet. And she has a lot of different companies. And she says that she get, goes all into one of them and makes sure it's self-sustaining. And then she'll kind of snip it off with all her employees and then move on to the next one. But I mean, at any level, even when it looks like somebody has a thousand things going on, they have a process where they're able to give one thing their all. 
Exactly. Yeah. And it can be very easy to look at somebody who's advanced in their career like that and be like, well, she's had this brand, this brand, this brand, this brand. You know, I had, I've had Jesse Itzler on my podcast and that guy's been, he's been everything from a rapper to an owner of a jet company uh, and then coconut water and an NBA part owner. And it's like, you can look at those people and say, well, of course they could do these seven things at once. But if you look deep enough, you notice exactly what you said, that there were specific seasons where they went all in on that one thing non-negotiable and set boundaries around it. And then they were able to move on to the next. And so I always tell people like, somebody tells me, hey, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I say, awesome. So commit to a hundred videos. You're going to start a podcast. We'll commit to at least a hundred episodes. You're going to write a book. We'll then commit to a certain reward count and then launching it at a certain time. You just got to be, you got to have that longer game approach because not only does that let us get real clarity, is this going to work? Do I really love this? But also we get our skills increased. Like, Skill acquisition is so undervalued these days. And the only way that we gain skill acquisition, which is a great competitive advantage and differentiator in any marketplace, is by what? Like going deeper, not wider. I have a friend who has really been a mentor to me in how to develop skills. And it's interesting because I've found myself in this group of these top level entrepreneurs. And really realizing that, okay, in order for this guy to become arguably the best copywriter in the world, he went through like four years where he was writing thousands of words per day, where he was studying all of the greats, where he was going through all of the best marketing letters that have ever been written and finding the through lines. And I have another friend who was on this podcast as well that was relearning piano and he had been playing his whole life, but he got a piano teacher to live with him for a year and practice for hours every single day before he launched his next project. So we think that we can just take one online course and we're going to get to these top levels. But when you really study what it took to get to be the best in the world, it sounds difficult. But at the same time, for me, it's liberating because there's a path for everyone. And it's not that you're just born into it. Exactly. And most people just aren't willing to put in any type of dedicated time. So like, even if you don't go to the extremes, even I ask people like, what is this? And I do skills every 90 days. Like, what is the core skill that you're working on in your business in the next 90 days? And most people can identify that. So that would be number one. And then number two, once we have that, where specifically can you show me that you're dedicating time, attention, and energy towards that? skill. And so for me and my clients, it's like, I want to see that on the calendar twice a week, a couple hour blocks twice a week to make sure that we're actually giving that skill attention. That is like a massive, massive, massive differentiator. That is great. I do think that we get so caught up in the tasks that we're not really thinking about what we are learning or what we're developing in ourselves as much as we're just looking at what we're developing outside of ourselves. So to bring those two things together and see, okay, this is what I want to create, but this is what I want to master while I do it. It's amazing. Absolutely. And on that note, piggybacking on this, when I set my calendar for the week, I actually plug in all of those things first. Uh, I plug in me time. (laughs) I plug in my morning routine. I plug in my afternoon white space. I plug in my learning. I plug in my relationship, my date nights. So when I look at the calendar, even before any client work, any podcast, any book work, any launch stuff, it's already full of all my priorities, like my actual personal priorities. 
So then I can stack in the business priorities. And I think it's so easy in an ambitious world. It's like we often will put everything external on our plate and then we leave the scraps for ourselves, for our self-care, for our connection, for our relationships. And I think there's a better way when we flip that script and we put ourselves first and then build our business and our life around that to support that so we can show up as our most powerful, most connected selves. And that's a great point because when you watch things like Shark Tank, you hear that investors are rarely investing in the actual business as much as they are investing in the person. And so if other people, the top level people that are going to be funding specific dreams are even realizing the importance of the person over the business, then we should be doing that in our own lives as well. Because the business can come and go. There's ebbs and tides in the market, in trends. But what we create and develop in ourselves through that process is something that we get to take with us in the long run. Yeah. And if we put ourselves last, we're not serving our clients. We're not serving the marketplace. We're not serving the people around us. I mean, I know most people get into business for time autonomy, for freedom, for impact, for schedule freedom, for all of that stuff. And it's like, when we get that, when we start out, we can often get so scattered in doing everything except that. And so again, fueling ourselves at the highest capacity. I mean, for this podcast and the stuff that I have today, you know, it started with me training my body today, meditating, doing a a vision, journaling. I mean, it takes a lot of work, right? But I do it because I know that that's going to fuel me and it's going to have me not only show up for myself, but for everything else that I do. And that is something that gets sacrificed when we're in this constantly on mode, hustle mode, 16 hours a day mode, constantly distracted mode. We just don't get that time for ourselves. So through this process, while you're creating something, we make it a point to go inward as much as possible. But what about the gap between taking the leap and having the idea for the leap? Because like you said, there are so many ideas out there. There's amazing ideas. One person could have a hundred amazing ideas. So do you have any good processes for the questions that you ask yourself or the inner work that should be done to make sure that the leap you're doing is one that's going to be ultimately fulfilling to you? Yeah. And you said the right word there, which is fulfilling. And that has to be the litmus test for any decision. And so often, and we can take leaps for the wrong reasons. We can take a leap just for cash. We can take a leap just for more money. And that leap, it's not going to work out well because we're not doing it from a place of deep fulfillment. So that's number one. Like what, and and people are so afraid. And when I say people, it's like, I always include myself, but we're so afraid of, doing the thing that fulfills us the most. It's so crazy. Like It doesn't make any sense. So that's where I would start. And then I would, for me, use the power of visualization of like, okay, so another tool that I use is I take myself 10 years down the line. So 10 years down the line, and I have a meeting with my future self. And the future self who has accomplished everything that I want to create. And I get to seek counsel from this person, which is me. I know it's, it can sound a little odd, but I can future pace and say, okay, what would they do in this situation? Out of all of these options, which did they end up picking? Which one was the one to, that led him to experiencing the feelings that they're experiencing right now and the achievements right now? 
And so when reverse engineer that, the decision becomes pretty obvious. I mean, we know the one that's really pulling at our heartstrings, the one that's really connected deep within us. And what you said earlier in terms of a brain dump, that can help. Like for people who are more on the logical side and want to release stuff on a paper, that can help. But ultimately, doing the inner work, getting clear, doing a visualization, and then it's time to just protect that and delete some of the stuff off our plate and be willing to live in a state of duality where it's like, we're going to be very excited. We're going to be very passionate. We're going to have that novelty effect. It's going to be really, really high early on. But we're also going to have a good amount of fear. We're going to have a good amount of doubt. We're going to have days and moments of uncertainty. I was coaching a group the other day, and it was so funny because every single person was experiencing uncertainty and doubt. We started, and we were going through, and I had the whole curriculum planned, and we just got rid of that because we had to address that. And the core message was, that's what you're supposed to feel when you're leaving your comfort zone. Let's reframe our relationship with fear, doubt, uncertainty, and not see them as reasons why it's not going to come to life, why we're not capable, why we're in the wrong marketplace, and actually look at them as proof that we're doing something that's important to us, proof that we're doing something that's led from the heart, not the head, proof that we're actually putting ourselves out there in a world of big dreamers and ambitious people, but who don't have the courage to actually make it happen. I think that part of the reason that what will be most fulfilling to us also seems the most scary is because it's the most vulnerable choice that we can make. It's the choice that we make that involves so much self-expression. And so it's not just putting Mm. your idea out there. It's putting a piece of you out there and the idea of you failing or being disliked or whatever is such a different idea than just this idea I had about launching (laughs) couplesunderwear.com. Yeah, you just hit the nail on the head. That's the reason why it's so hard for us to express what we really want to ourselves and to others. You're spot on with that because we can keep it conveniently tucked inside of us. We just open it once every little while, but it's not going to be taken away. It's not going to be, the marketplace won't be able to see it. But the moment that it comes, we take it out of that and we put it out into the real world, then we're in a vulnerable state. And so I love that. Spot on. I had this moment the other day because I'm working on redoing my personal brand. And so I had all these thoughts of, well, what do I want it to symbolize? And in this process, I realized that I was also creating the self-image of what I'm about to live into. And so what I loved about your idea of having your future self on your invisible council, which is an idea that (laughs) was originally brought up in the Think and Grow Rich. But when you have these ideas of different personalities on your invisible council, including the one that you want to become, I get to choose to live into that every single day. And the decisions that I make moment by moment puts me either closer to that person that I am becoming or further away from it by being afraid or by saying no to it or by resisting this greater version of me. So I really love the idea of the future self as the almost mentor of helping you get there. And just like you said, that when that happens, because so often visions are so out there that it's tough to bring them down to right here, right now. But with what you just said, when we make decisions as if we've already accomplished and living that, we collapse the time. And we actually, just like you said, we actually become that person today. And when we're living in that energy, the places, the people, the opportunities, the doors opening, all of that just starts to like 
be magnetically drawn to us because we're already operating as that person. Now, that's not always easy. I just want to remind people, if you're operating as the 10-year version of yourself, you're going to be making some bold moves today. You're going to be making some bold moves tomorrow, right? But in retrospect of the 10-year version of yourself, today's bold decision to that person, to that version of yourself, they're just like, listen, Tommy, like, get on with it. Do it. Like, that's obvious, right? It's like, it's almost like nonchalant for them. It's like very easy for them because they've already done it and they have 10 years of wisdom. And so I like using that tool and being like, yeah, Tommy, let's go. Like, what are you waiting for? Let's go. And like, for me right now, it's like, oh my God, this is like a crazy decision. I don't know what to do. I'm like consumed by it. And my future version is like, you've been wasting the last two weeks on this. Let's go. I think one thing that trips people up, especially in the earlier parts of that journey, is that we underestimate the power of one bold decision or they make one bold decision and then the subsequent decisions weren't quite as bold and they think they might have lost momentum. But it kind of reminds me of eating healthier. So say somebody's trying to give up sugar and all of a sudden, one Tuesday afternoon, they eat a cookie and they're like, well, ugh. I broke the diet and then they think it's all a wash and they just eat all the cookies. (laughs) But just because you, I'm doing air quotes, broke the diet once doesn't mean that overall you're not eating less sugar. And so the same thing happens when you're living into this higher version of yourself because you're still getting there even if it's incrementally. It might not be that you take this big leap to start a new career and then all of a sudden every decision after that is big and bold and powerful, it might be that every single bold decision is a huge struggle that's really difficult for you to do. But even if you do those occasionally, it's going to start adding up over time. And each time you break that neural pathway of complacency, it gets easier and easier. And then you start becoming the person that makes bold decisions. But the thing that's going to help you the most is actually looking back and reflecting and noticing patterns and acknowledging your progress along the way. I love that. And so every single day, what I do practically for this is that I personally write down seven wins of the day. And that, because we're so wired from an evolutionary perspective to focus on what's not working or threats or securities or bills or money, all these scarcity things. For me, when I identify seven wins every single day, even if I had a really quote unquote challenging adversity filled day, I can still find seven wins and I train my brain. We train our brains, our awareness to find those in the future. And then that's how we shift the focus from like what's not working to like, hey, I'm going to be exactly where I want to be, but look at all the momentum, look at all of the wins. And if we identify seven in a day, that's 21 in a week. I mean, that really adds up. When you're doing these processes, how important is it how you feel during it? For me, when I realize I'm creating something, And I'm not in a headspace of abundance and love and I'm in any sort of negative headspace. That is my sign for me to stop because I feel like what I create in those energies is going to replicate. Absolutely. And I I say this all the time, but the intention and the energy that we bring to anything is going to determine whether it quote unquote works or not. And so a lot of people, when I share practices or people on social media, they ask me for some guidance and I say, do this. They'll come back and say, no, it didn't really work, Tommy. And my question is, did you work it? Meaning, did you give it your full attention? Did you give it your full presence? Were you fully there for it? So that's a big distinction. 
all of these practices that you talk about, that I talk about, that other people talk about, they all work if we're willing to be present, to be focused, to put ourselves in the states to make them work. You know, we've all gone to like a social setting and the whole time we were going there, we were complaining and we were, I don't want to be here, et cetera, et cetera. And then we showed up and of course we, in most cases, didn't have an amazing time because the whole lead up to it, we were so negative and not there, not wanting to be there. And it was obvious. And it's like that, the way that the energy that we bring into something is exactly what we're going to get out of it. So if you're doing a practice, like for example, journaling is one of my favorite things in the world. And you know, people will tell you all the time, like, I don't, I'm not seeing the result. I'm not seeing the benefit. And I'm asking, so what type of environment are you doing this in? And so for me personally, my environment, it's like, okay, I'm going to slow down. The phone's going to be off. I'm going to put on some maybe relaxing binaural music, something that's going to just create the space, right? And I get it. It doesn't always have to be perfect. You can do this on a plane if you want, but it's about training ourselves to really pour in the right amount of energy and attention to these practices so we can reap the rewards on the other side. Through all of your leaps and bold decisions, have you discovered anything about yourself that you would have found surprising 20 years ago? Oh, I love that. I think the biggest thing is that the least powerful version of myself shows up when I'm overthinking any situation or any circumstance. And I think we can be trained to believe that our minds and our brains are the most powerful part about who we are. But for me, the biggest lesson, the biggest lesson is like the most powerful part about who I am and, you know, the people that I work with is what they got inside their heart. And when they use that as a compass, as cliche as as it sounds, everything works out. And even if it doesn't quote unquote work out exactly the way that we had imagined it, like I said earlier, sometimes it's better. And sometimes it takes us to a place that from our vantage point, we never thought was actually possible for us. And that to me is the reason why I allow myself to continue to step into leaps and push the comfort zone. Because guess what? Every leap expands your capacity, expands your threshold for experiencing bolder leaps. And so it's not like one and done. It's not like you do five of them and you're done. To me, after that, it becomes my duty almost, my responsibility for myself and the people that I'm impacting to push a little bit further, not from a place of, you know, always doing more, but just almost looking at it like, wow, how much can I stretch what I think is possible for myself? When I do that, then I can become a breathing, living example for the people that I'm teaching, for the people that are listening to this podcast, read one of my books, et cetera, et cetera. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom today and encouraging us to take bigger leaps. So for listeners who are resonating with you, where's the best place to connect with you online? Absolutely. Best place is resistaverageacademy.com. And uh, we have a podcast as well. So if you resonate with this, you'll definitely dig those deep conversations that we have on there. What I'm noticing is the biggest challenge for people making big moves or making it a habit to make big moves is learning to overcome our overthinking brain. So we grow up learning to look at things with critical analysis We weigh the pros and cons. We write lists with columns. And so often we talk ourselves out of the best thing for us. Because guess what? No matter what the choice is, you can always think of a thousand reasons not to do it. What we don't always realize is what the root of that indecision really is. And a lot of times it comes back to fear. 
And a lot of times that fear is so big because we haven't yet proven to ourselves that the fear is unreliable or is irrational. So we sit here weighing back and forth whether or not we should do something and instead we stay in the same place for our whole lives, which is more uncomfortable than actually taking a step forward. As many risks as I've taken now, I can say that, yes, bad things happen, but the pros outweigh the cons every single time. Even if I do hit a struggle, even if I do financially collapse and realize I have negative $215 in my bank account. Still, the idea of making progress feels so much better and so much more rewarding than sitting there sitting in that pain of indecision day in and day out and realizing another five years has gone by and I've made it nowhere. Think of how much you can build in just one year's time. Your entire life can be different this time next year. And here's the other thing. I don't think a lot of people realize how long our lives really are. We start to hit age 40 or 50 and we think, but oh my gosh, I'm almost done. If you retire at age 60 or 65, you could possibly live almost double your adult life. You could live to be 95 and that's another 30 years. I don't know about you, but I don't feel like my life really started till age 30 and now I'm only 34. The amount I've accomplished in four years amazes me. It's incredible. My 20s was for barely figuring it out and just kind of flying by the seat of my pants and seeing how drunk I could get. And my 30s has been to build. I've already proven I can lay a foundation and build on top of that year after year after year. I have proven this to myself and now I'm just so excited about the rest of my life. Now, what if you're 55 or 42 and in four years from now, your entire life is different. All of your dreams have a foundation, you're making money, and then you have the rest of your life ahead of you. Even in your 60s, that could be another 30 years. That is amazing. So don't just sit in your current shit. Step out of it. Believe in yourself. Trust the process. Trust the universe. Love and value yourself enough to live into your passions every single day. And then see how your life changes. Okay, stepping off of my soapbox now. All of the links mentioned in this episode are at mindlove.com slash 084. Please support our sponsors if any of them resonate with you. They are amazing. I vet them and I personally love them all. If you're enjoying Mind Love, tell a friend, family member, or coworker about it, or just take a screenshot and post it on social. And don't forget to subscribe. And thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 